Hey friends, thank you uh, for inviting us into your space today. We are excited. Uh, KJ is going to be opening up a new series today um, on John that we're going to be journeying with together here over the next few weeks. So um, we hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. I am glad that you're here and I'm glad that I'm here. And so I actually have four other people here that are in this space. Here, I want you all to come up and show yourselves. To have like the integrity of the situation. Let's just, um, this is paint a picture of our family. So all of us are here and excited to, to be a part of today's experience. Thank you. Um, so I kind of surprised them by doing that. But um, I am very, um, very excited, very humbled, uh, very uh, expectant for the things to come um, because simply of the things that had been. So our previous sermon series, um, going over this idea that God proclaimed his name um, and he, he spoke in the sounds of thunder upon Sinai and, um, and here's who I am. And it, it kind of like brought us to this point from a church perspective to kind of like to feel how big, powerful, kind, gentle, huge, and big, but sitting beside us, God is. And it was incredible. And I've heard people say, man, I'm sorry it's over. I'm sorry this sermon series is over. I'm not, because it brings us to this journey simply of the truth that back during the times of Sinai, he had to say it. He had to say, here's who I am. But the power of the gospel is he doesn't have to do that anymore because his people get to say who he is. They get to say, here's his name. Here's Jesus. Here's the full embodiment of who God is. And so th throughout that whole sermon series, um, the people who had been doing the sermons, they they would point at, like, like Jesus is the full embodiment. Jesus is the full embodiment of this God. Jesus is the full embodiment of this God. And so it brought us to this point, especially like, like talking about the crucifixion and, and seeing this picture of, of God on a cross. I mean, like fully hanging there. Doesn't have, like, and thinking about the God of Sinai on a cross. And then thinking about the God of Sinai dying. And then thinking about the God of Sinai being put into a tomb and then breaking free from death. It, it has to kind of create this like this desire inside the people who, who actually care about these things to like say, man, I want to see Jesus. That's the thing it's doing. Like I'm in this place of like, man, I see God. Like I, I was brought to Sinai. I, I heard God speak in thunder. I want to see Jesus more clearly because wow. And that I think that that's the trajectory things are on for us. So our church is about to do a sermon series on the gospel of John and it's going to begin to day and it's going to end by Easter. And so by saying that, yeah, it is. It's going to end by Easter, right? It is. I am correct. So, so people are talking back at me right now. It's going to end by Easter. And because our whole idea of this is, so the gospel of John is a perfect chiasm. So the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. And they point back and inform each other. And it's brilliant. John is brilliant. And so this idea, idea of the crucifixion and Jesus conquering the grave kind of holds the bookends for the gospel of John. And so for us from this place to say, it's time to start at the beginning, then it'll bring us 
all in this journey to the holy season of Good Friday and for Easter. And our heart posture should say, it's time to start at the beginning all over again, um, because that's the thing he invites us into. It's so easy in our culture to have uh, like, hey, I already experienced that. I've heard that. I already get it. So let's uh, g- go on. There's kind of old things here. Inspire me. Br- bring it speed on, you know. And I get it. Like, there are some things, though, um, that it's valuable going back to. It's valuable to sit in something and just soak it all in. I had the opportunity to go to a concert from this band or by this band who who I had heard back in high school um, and, and so I got these concert tickets to go to this band and um, the, the types of songs that they play are these like fast-paced power core types of things like you can't understand the things that they're saying but the things that they're talking about it's it's like hope and fighting and and fight and like people of courage and and charging the hill and saving the princess and they're all these and I haven't like heard this band play in a very very super long time but but I got these concert tickets to go see them in person and uh and the place that they played their show it was this very tiny venue. And so I thought, oh, it's over. Like the, the, the glory of who they are, it is past. And so I'm expecting to show up and to see them old and to see them like beat up and they're playing their old songs and kind of how I feel right? Like I'm expecting them to be me. And, and, and so I'm, I'm going there and it's this tiny venue. And, and the, so all the people who are going to the show are in the same boat. It's older people who are out of shape, who um, are just going there for some sort of possibly cool experience to point back to and say, hey, I did it. I've been there. But here's the thing. We got in there. This place is jam-packed and it's tiny and it's kind of like, okay, who am I? I'm 42 at a concert. Do I even belong there? And then, oh, like I can't even like, it, erupted. There was fire from the, I think the band turned this, this terrible venue into the best show I've ever been to. And there's fire coming out and there's like smoke and haze. And the band was electric. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to experience the best show I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of shows and I start weeping. Like here's a band that I've heard and I played all of their albums hundreds of times. I've memorized everything, but I've never seen them do this before. That's the desire I have for us to enter into the gospel of John. Uh, It's to, to show up thinking, all right, here we go. But then to all be side by side, like, do I even belong here anymore? And go, yes, we belong here. And there's fire shooting up and there's hope shooting everywhere and singing along with the songs that you have heard forever. The Gospel of John holds this very special, oh man, just this this very special place for me. So in college, um, so, so I came t- to this place that, that I couldn't afford to graduate and to be on campus, but I was from Ohio and the school I was going to had been in Tennessee. And so I came to the spot of, I can't afford to be here anymore. And so I was going to pull out and try to go to school someplace different. And so I was telling the academic dean of the school 
I can't afford to be here anymore. And um, he, he said, I'll, I'll help. And here's the thing about the academic dean of our school. First of all, he's brilliant. He's, in, he, he's the head of our Bible department. He's, he's very intimidating, really successful. And he had been, at that point, the expert on the book of John. And he had composed several things about John, like John had been his harpy. And, and so I was telling him, I, I can't afford to, to go to school here anymore. It's too expensive. And he said, I'll help. Um, and here's how I'm going to help. Um, the thing that's going to happen is instead of being on campus, so I have a bedroom. How about you stay in this empty bedroom? And it's all right. You don't have to pay anything. Um, however, the thing you do have to do You have to sit on the couch from 8 till 10 every evening and talk about the book of John. And, oh my gosh. And at first I was like, of course, that isn't that hard. The book of John isn't that super long. It's very easy to understand. I'm a, a theology guy and the academic dean and cool. This will be easy. But on the first time I sat on this old couch, like this couch was old, like he's had it forever. And he had this big comfortable chair. And by, beside this chair, he had this pile of books. And all of these books had been on John. But he had been the expert on John. Like he was the John guy. Like, like people pull out his textbooks to study John. And it was such a gift to sit on his couch. He would turn on the TV in front of him. He would play CSI and then he'd have his pile of books and then he would, he would like be, be like turning down the volumes so you didn't hear CSI, but you would see it. And so there's people shooting people. And then he would turn and he'd say, so tell me the thing that you think John was trying to do by bringing up the garden. And I'd be like, he was talking about a garden? And he would just be like, well, and then he would start to talk. Or you know, tell me the thing that you think John was trying to do by bringing up the Feast of Pentecost. You know, uh, talking about the Feast of Pentecost? Well, and then he would talk. And I would fall asleep hearing him talk about John. And he would continue to talk, although he saw I was asleep. He would talk about John from this posture of being hopeful and curious and humble and and in awe of John. Like who he painted John as being is like the most brilliant person. Like he would say, you know, tell me the thing that you think about how old John had been during the time that he was the disciple of Jesus. And he would he would then speculate about and and, and so I Toss out, like, the expert on the book of John is all about asking questions, and he speculates, and he doesn't have anything for sure, but he loves talking about what could be, because the author of the book of John had been a disciple of Jesus. And so if I have a desire to get to know Jesus, I'm dying to sit by the expert on John. And John during the time that he was a disciple of Christ, was probably between the ages of 12 and 15. He was a boy. And, and, and so like thinking about the perception he had of Jesus during his time that he was following him as a teenage boy and how he felt by 
Jesus being by his side. Like, like he would speculate, like, how do you think John felt being taken care of by Jesus? Because the other disciples, they were probably older. Probably. We don't, you know, and he would speculate and I would fall asleep, right? Because I don't know. And, but the thing he would do is like, but think about John. Posture yourself in John. He's 12 to 13 and he's a boy and he's following Jesus. How do you think? I'll tell you how he felt. He felt beloved. And because in fact, like, like think about this, like, like, John, and the only times that he is called the beloved is in his own gospel. He's calling himself that. As if to be in close proximity to the Jesus that he understands and he has experienced, he's like, man, if you get to be as close to Jesus as I got to be, you will feel as if you are the beloved because that's who I am. I'm his favorite. And to speculate how he got to that place and the whole goal of the gospel of John is to get you to that place too. To see like, man, if I encounter the God of Sinai in flesh and blood, I will feel as if I am his favorite. What would that be like to have the confidence of John to say, I, 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 so I think I'm his favorite. Like, I would love that. I would love that or say, he loved me the most. And to get in this heartfelt battle of like, man, his love is for me. John had that experience. And sitting on that couch, it kind of built in this perception of, of, of posture and being very inquisitive about things that even the expert on the book of John has books of John from other people that like he is trying to grow in and to understand and to be equipped by because it's fun. So the thing I'm going to invite you to is to have this perception of sitting on that couch and it is time to, if there's the desire you have, to, to invest in the book of John. Buy books on the book of John, podcasts on the book of John. And because our church is doing the sermon series for a long time. So if you're in a group, do some things on John, explore out, and to bring your experiences back here because all of us are dying to be taught and to grow and to see who Jesus is. So there are some things about the book of John that are very important to think about. Um, it's, it's who the author is, the context, who he's talking to. He has a specific group of people that he is going after. Um, his heartbeat, his desire, his desire for people to see Jesus. Like the gospel truly is like, like John who is Jesus's favorite. He's trying to tell the story of Jesus that's so compelling that people say, he is who I've been trying to find forever. That is the goal of telling the story of Jesus. That's the gospel, the good news. And so that's the goal. He's talking to specific groups of people. Um, he, he's typically seen as the apostle to Asia. Um, and during that time, the people who occupied that space, there, there are the Hebrew people and there are the Greek people. And then there are the Hebrew Greek people who are kind of evolving and growing into to each other. And so there is this, this very diverse cultural context conversation um, and, and different vocabularies, culture, spiritual back, back, backgrounds. Um, as far as the time period, think about the time period of, of Socrates. Think about time period of Aristotle and Heliclitus and those types of things who um, the idea of the Greek gods are, are beginning to be archaic. They're, they're, they're starting to be things that, that are old and people of the 
Greek culture are beginning to have this higher dialogue and thought process of how did we get here? Is there a higher power? Is there a bigger thing at play? And the, the people, they would get on top of the thing that's called the Areopagus and they would begin to share their thoughts and ideas beyond this idea of Greek gods that have become barbaric. The Hebrew people, of course, um, they, are, 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 they talk about Torah and the first five books of the Bible and Sinai and God and, 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 and how at the beginning of time there was Torah and truth and all of these things. And then there's the blending of the two that come together, the people who could speak the vocabulary of both. Um, that's kind of this brief picture of things. And then, then you have John um, who who had been a disciple of Jesus, possibly between the ages of 12 and 13, or, or 15. I say possibly because it's all speculation, right? And so um, possibly 12 and 13, and he's grown up. He's probably 40 to 45, and he's old. He's like going to a show and saying, how do I tell this story? And um and so his heart posture is telling the story of Jesus because he's his favorite and that it's compelling and good and true. And it's actually the gospel. There was something about John that that was like, how do I tell the gospel and have integrity? Because like gospel is good news. And th th there's a bunch of people who think they're sharing the gospel, but it isn't actually good news. And John does a great job at telling the gospel. So it's like, oh my gosh, that's good news. And so by engaging his gospel, you're also being taught how to have integrity in telling the good news well. And so it's fun and engaging. He's brilliant. In the past, I always was so attracted to John because he was so great at Hebrew. Um, he was such a Jew. Like it was one of those like, I get him, I get him, I get him, I get him, I know you, John. But by diving deeper into John, I saw it was like, wait a second, he's really good at Greek too. And he isn't just a good Jew, he's like a student of Greek and Greek, like he understood Greek culture. And then I couldn't figure out the place that his Hebrew ended and his Greek began, or is he actually a Greek? Like it was like Hebrew and Greek had a baby and they popped out John and he did this thing, which was amazing. And I don't get it. He's amazing. And so he has these different touch points throughout the Gospel of John, things to pay attention to as our journey begins. Um, he is obsessed as far as poetry goes. He's a Hebrew poet, and so um, he's very colorful. He's obsessed as, as far as telling truth. So he's a truth teller. He gets to the heart of things, but it's really colorful. Um, he enjoys this idea of dark and Height. It comes up all throughout the Gospels. He combines Greek and Hebrew to say similar things. Uh, he tells di different. Um, he'll 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 talk about different time periods for different things that happen according to the the feasts and festivals on the Jewish calendar. He isn't just doing that to point to the feasts and festivals happening during that time. He's doing it to tell a bigger story as if to say, hey, pay attention, circle this, because I'm bringing up Passover here so that you can think about every Passover that's in the Bible and you bring that here today. Now, I'm going to bring up if he's here, if he's here, if he's here, if he's here, there are seven of them, and he's obsessed as far as seven. There are seven healings. There, are, I mean, like, oh, there's so many things about John, and it just doesn't happen like that. He is a poet 
genius Hebrew Greek. Think about the people that he he brings to show that he's done healings. Like like Jesus probably throughout his whole time here on the earth, he is healing a ton of people, right? Like he's going out, people are coming to him, hey, heal this person, heal this person, right? And he's like healing. And he speaks and things are healed. And so probably you have to think, like there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have been healed. But in the gospels, there are specific people that are picked to tell the story about that they are healed and the author is trying to prove a point about the context, the things that are about to happen, and the story of the coming kingdom. So there are these different things and of course again it's a perfect chiasm. So the beginning and the end and then the second chapter to the second to the end chapter. So I'm just painting this picture because I'm hoping it's kind of like fire coming up going, you know, like we're, we're coming here like, okay, we're going to do the gospel of John. It's going to be an entire year. The thing I'm trying to do is like, you haven't experienced John yet. Like John is begging to be seen because he has this inside view on Jesus, plus he's talking to a culture um, that is just complex and diverse and hyper-spiritual, similar to our culture today, right? That's the intro. Um, That was fun. Um, But but I am going to be talking about the beginning of the book of John because this is going to set our context. And so sit on the couch, uh, Pull open your Bible and open your Bibles to the first chapter in John. It is everyone's favorite. I think it's everyone's favorite because it doesn't sound super biblical, even though it's in the Bible, right? There's something about it's like, so it isn't talking about the birth of Jesus. It's not talking about the beginning, like, you know, the angel Gabriel came. Like, it's not that at all. Is the beginning of John is that, like, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to hit a homer just out of the gate. Here it is. Help me out here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Gospel of John, this guy who says, I think I'm his favorite, and he loves me. He begins telling the story in this vocabulary of in the beginning. He starts in the origins, and he brings in this idea of word. In the beginning was the word. And so if I am a Hebrew person, I'm saying, yeah, absolutely. I am, I am trekking here. Like, uh, because in the beginning there was Torah, there was truth. It hovered over the seas taking survey and it, it began to separate and order. And the Torah was always there. It's the, the, the bread of God. Like, The Jewish people are on board with this. And I always thought like, man, John is a great Jew. And he begins hitting this to the Jewish people. In the beginning was Torah. But but here in this passage, it doesn't say Torah. It says word. But the Hebrew people are going to see it and say that's Torah. But but in this passage, in the beginning was the word, the, the people that are a part of the Greek culture are going to see something else. The, this idea of 
L-O-G-O-S. How you say it? Logos. Thank you. And, and there's this concept that had been taught on the Areopagus. The Areopagus that I was talking about is there's this idea of Logos. I'm going to have a hard time saying that from this point on. So anytime I get there, you just chime in. Here we go. Logos. And it was this idea of there is this higher power concept out there that it isn't broken up, but by different divine gods and things that the Greeks had believed in in the past. But it's this, there is something out there that has, has this creative, uh, uh, the understanding of all things. And somehow people are tapping into it. And, and so people of this culture began superseding this idea of the deities and saying, people have the ability to think and to be their own people, to, to be, be able to do things that are good and to do things that are bad. And somehow that's tapping into this idea of logos um, that is this superseding component for the human soul. And so, so if that is hard to understand, it should be because these brilliant people took Pythonic theology and turned it into something that goes beyond Plato into this dialogue about there has to be something to the order of things, the energy of things, this feeling, the the fact that everyone feels connected to this hyper-spirituality logos. And they began to call it that. And so in the beginning of John, he begins by saying, in the beginning was logos. And if I am a Greek, the thing I hear is, that guy is brilliant. He's beginning to speak the vocabulary of the people on the Areopagus. He's done his homework. He is pointing to the higher truth. He is pointing to this idea that there is a concept out there that's bigger than all of us. And as people are going forward and doing something and like the hope of the empire is upon us. But as a Hebrew person, I'm hearing in the beginning was the Torah. And, and, and so I'm like, yes, God is here. God was here, blah, blah, blah. And so, so in this very sentence, in the beginning of John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Everyone in the empire is gonna go, yes. Everyone a part of the Hebrew culture will go, yes, we are on board. And so then you would have to speculate, who is John talking to? Is he talking to people in the empire or is he talking to the Hebrew people? Yes, we are on board because who is he talking to? He's talking to this group of people that cultures has begun to combine and blend. And he's sharing that like, God isn't just for the Hebrew people anymore. And, and that had been a whole other concept that was mind-blowing even to the Apostle Paul. Like, wow, God is for everybody. And so, so in the beginning was logos, Torah, word, idea, like piper spirituality. Like people did not have a vocabulary for God. They did not have the Sinai experience you have had. And so they don't know his name. And so the thing that John does here, which is really brilliant, like, so he's painting this idea. In the beginning, the origin of Rome, the origin of the Jews, the origin, same thing. And then he turns the corner and he says, he was with God in the beginning. So, so going back, back. Let's just go over again. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the 
word was God. And at that point, so everyone's going, yes, this guy knows exactly the thing he's talking about. But then he turns the corner hard and says, he. And so if I am sitting on that couch, that's the time that the academic dean is going to get this big smile on his face and say, circle that. Circle every time John says he. Because before he said he, he is talking about a concept. He is talking about this idea of hyper-spirituality, this idea that, that there is a higher power. <laughs> it, it pulled up on my watch. Um, this idea that there's a higher power out there, this idea that there's something bigger than humankind. Reason. We're talking about reason. And then he goes, no, it's a person. It's a he. Like, like something happened. And then the same thing for the Jewish people. Up until this point, they're like, Torah. Yes, you're talking about Torah. But then he's like, Torah becomes flesh. It's a he. It's a pronoun. Like, it's a person. Logos and Torah mesh together, become a person. This is gigantic. This is like, like going, uh, going beyond the Areopagus. This is taking, you know, how culture is going to, you know, culture today is going to say, you know, so I don't think I believe in the Bible, but I believe that there's a higher power. So, so the thing that, that John is doing here is going, yes, yes, I know. And that higher power is Jesus. And that, that, that's the thing he's doing. Like he's, he's going, yeah, this is good. This is good. Yes. The two of us are, are going down a similar path here, but can I show you? Can I show you? Because he's Jesus's favorite. And so he has the insider scoop on the heart of God, which is amazing. And so he's calling out these different things that people are experiencing, very similar to the apostle Paul, how the apostle Paul, he would go into a, a culture or people group and he will understand their vocabulary, understand their spirituality. And then he'll say, can I expound on this a bit? Instead of shaming it and saying that that isn't true. He's saying, so if people are, are, are pointing up towards heaven, there's something that's pointing them that direction. Can I help give you a vocabulary for the things that you're experiencing? He has a name. It's a person. It's Jesus. Because those people have not had the Sinai experience that you have had yet. And so it's, it's, it's engaging the person of Jesus. So then the passage continues. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Um, so circle him again, and then life and light. That, that is something that Paul is going or not Paul, that John is going to be bringing up throughout his whole gospel, this idea of the darkness and the light. It's this very Hebrew concept that the Torah is the light of God that's going to pave a path. Uh, there's a very famous song about that that just popped into my head. Um, and, and so thinking about the, the Bible, Torah, who God is being a shepherd, like that sort of thing. And that was found inside of the Torah and Logos at this point. And that is then put inside of all humankind. And here's how he ends it. In the light shines the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in some contexts, the thing it actually says is the darkness hasn't understood 
but it. So it isn't this battle that's going on, like the overcoming of the light, but it's, it just doesn't get it. And I feel like that that's how John is approaching this gospel. I am bringing something that people have not heard before. And I don't expect you to understand it, but I'm bringing it in full force. And that's how it begins. Here's, here's the thing. At this point, I would be on the couch and I would be falling asleep and tired and he would just go on and on and on, cracking jokes, smiling because he has experienced John to the depths of things. Even though I fell asleep on the couch, here I am today because I think I absorbed it. I feel like I absorbed the academic dean's heartbeat for John because it's my favorite book. And the people that I found who enjoyed John share this common heartbeat to explore, to dive deeper, to experience, to something that John has, it's like a superpower, is he can turn anything into something that points to heaven. He can take anything and turn it into something that shares the gospel. He is, he can take anything and cause it to sing and dance for Jesus. And it's really, really beautiful because our culture is dying to hear the truth of the experiences that they are having compared to the experiences they aren't having. And John does a brilliant job of doing that. So at that show, I got to go in and see. And so I, I brought up how, so all these people came who didn't like, uh, it's like the type of people who would go play Pokemon at the age of 40. Okay, like those types of people. I play Pokemon. And so it's like those people are, are drawn to see this type of band. And like, so I was there at the show and there, this place is packed as far as kind of all these people who just don't like fit in or belong or they aren't that impressive. And I'm standing on the balcony and I'm, oh my gosh. And, and there are all these people, right? And they are like all hot and sweaty and there's pyrotechnics shooting up and haze and, and the band is incredible. And, and then I said, I said, the things they sing about are hope and courage and joy and fighting for things that count and saving the prince. The people in that audience, they aren't going to ever be saving a princess. Like that's, and, and so, so, but they're all in this group and the, the, they're all like sweating and I'm like observing and pyrotechnics are shooting up. This band is like slamming it and they're amazing and singing about hope and glory and salvation for all of human. Man, like, I mean, this isn't a Christian band, but they are singing our songs. And then all of these people have their fists in the air who don't have any business having their fists in the air singing these songs because they aren't going to ever go up those hills and fight those battles and kill those dragons and orcs. And like, but something in their heart says, yes, I do. I have every business being here. I have every business to sing this song. There's something inside of me that I can't explain, but it brings us here to this place that's, that's just hungry to hear the truth of who I am. And there's something out there that's calling to me. And I sat on that balcony and I thought, man, I am experiencing the best service I've ever been to at church. 
And I could do a heck of an altar call at the end of this because everyone's hearts had been on fire for something that they were desperate for. And John, who is the favorite, he would say, he would say, yes, I know exactly the thing that you are singing about. And his name is Jesus. Can I sing those songs too? Lord, I thank you for the things that you are inviting us into, for the hope and the joy and the courage, the creativity, the poetry, the truth, the inspiration you bring. Jesus, thank you for pulling up an old couch and inviting us to sit on for, sit on it for a long time to enjoy the truth of the things you're doing and how you see us call us to something great and help us to understand the things you are saying in Christ I pray amen hello everybody it's really good to see you um, it's time to have to just yeah, talk about things. Yeah, we got a full house here. Have fun. It's party time. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so thankful that, that you're opening this and you brought your fire and your passion and the meaning of John. Like, I, I'm so excited for this year. I think this was such a good intro for us to be all like, hold yeah. on. <laughs> and all the things. But I want to start. I want to start with something because okay, we're talking about how brilliant John is and all these things, and I love that you begin with the thing behind the thing. Like it's not just how brilliant his mind is, but like why would he care to share it in the first place? And it starts with his experience. And oh, thank you for that. Just what he experienced is what drives the whole thing like why he would care to study culture and to bring vocabulary and to bring imagery and to shine light into this thing that everybody wants to understand and he experienced it and the just the beauty and the depth in the book starts off way back with his personal, everything that he lived firsthand with Jesus. So that's just so inspiring. Yeah, it's so fun, you know, like thinking about this experience that he had as like a teenage boy and he's had plenty of time to process it and package it uh, in this like, this brilliant I mean, it's, it's just brilliant. Can you Everything imagine about having that experience as a like adolescent? Like, right. What? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the thing he's saying is you can. That's the thing I think right. is, is is very cool. Like that's his heartbeat is you can, you can, and um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to laugh because in the intro I said, you know, we're getting ready to do this, you know, series on John for a few weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like 52. 52. <laughs> yeah. a, a few. But, <laughs> but to add to that, I think you talking about the poetry of John, because um, I'm coming into this completely, you know, non-educated in this book. I've never done a study on it or anything. Um, so... I think talking about this poetry, there is going to have to be this like unlayering of a lot of these passages. And mm -hmm. it's going to take that, you know, time to really like meditate on and look at and see it in different perspectives and speculate things, you know, yeah. in order for each of us to have our own understanding of what it is he's talking about. Yeah. And I think even the little that we know of the Bible and of, of any passage, but Obviously, we're talking about John, so about John, and then we have an insight. It's like, oh, great, I discovered what it is. So, like, the whole in the beginning was the word, and you go, oh, yeah, it's just like Genesis 1. I see what John is doing here. And, yes, that's true, but there's still more. But you he's know, doing a ton of other things. <laughs> right. It's That's not it. So, yeah. I, I feel like, to me, it's like, okay, maybe we know some things of John, 
but it doesn't mean it ended there. <laughs> there's there's uh, so much that we can continue to dig and unpack and find behind. That. Yeah, I mean, I've I I there's like this feeling that I have like I barely began to touch the tip of the iceberg as mm. far as mm -hmm. those first five persons yeah. go. And so I say, all right, it's time to scoot on. Like, but that's even painful to me. It's like, mm -hmm. it's time yeah. to hunker down in here. We'll set up a tent. We'll build a fire and talk about that paragraph forever. Right. There's so and there. and it's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, but there's this ability to, as a church, oh man, to almost go on a, like a packing trip like to mm. set up camp we're going to hang out here for a bit we're going to toss around some ideas theology talk about john talk about jesus healings poetry greek and then we got to pack everything up and we're going to go over here and then we're going to set up a camp and mm. that fire and it's time to eat i mean like it's going to be fun mm -hmm. when i hear you describe john as a person um, I'm very struck by the similarities that you, in terms of character traits that you see throughout his writing, that you have described, maybe self-described, KJ mm -hmm. as. When you draw the parallels with how many hundreds and thousands of hours you spent studying the book of John, when you look at John and you see character traits in the way he writes, what would you say you identify in him, in you. Oh man, that's such that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I think that's just really good. So I think it's the opposite. Uh, 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 so I think um, I think from those times that I spent on that couch, being taught by the expert on the book of John, but he didn't actually teach me about the f facts of the book of John. He taught me how to approach mm. John, how to be curious, mm. how to ask questions, how to see the things that kind of shimmer and Things that say, so on the surface, I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. But if on the surface, they don't belong here, that means like John is pounding a point home. Um, and I, 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 I so I, I feel like from those times, um, I'm very humbled, you know, like to even be able to do the intro. Um, but I feel like John has taught because I had the opportunity to sit on the couch and be taught how to approach John that John then taught me how to approach Jesus okay. wow. and so wow. this idea like I think I'm his favorite <laughs> like I really do like he loves me and it's I mean like um and the the book of John, and I mean, like, so I feel like I've been taught by him, and his goal had been accomplished in in the heartbeat that I have today, because who I mean, if if people from college came here and they they saw me or they would talk about who I had been in college. I'm very cut and dry, black, black, black and white, hated the old Testament. I mean, there was, and, and John has, has, he, and like, I try to be him. How's that? Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. Like, I try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. With so, many, with so many people in our congregation say that, that are, you know, are watching this, 
um, and they they could you know potentially I know I've said this before specifically around different books it's so difficult and so unapproachable how does someone that's like hey I'm hungry you know KJ said some things that have sparked a desire within me that maybe they've never felt before what would be the first steps of them approaching the book of John outside of just, hey, I come to Sunday morning, I listen to the sermon, I get information, I go home. But if there's that real spark and a fire within them to say, I want to go deeper, how should they approach that? And what kind of wisdom can you give them? Yes, man, that's a really good question. Um, So I think um, I would begin by by being smaller um, instead of being inspired by the book of John. So all of John. That's intimidating. I get those people who say, I'm going to do the whole Bible. I want to read the Bible. Why? But that's impossible. (laughs) Like how it's impossible. Small bites. Because someone, someone can, can they're able to begin at the beginning and go to the end, but they aren't going to be able to experience it all. And there's a really big difference there for me. It's like, it's impossible. Um, And so, so, so I think for, um, for John and for certain texts, the things that I think, our fun is the goal isn't to take big ideas and to simplify them. So here's what John's saying, because the odds probably are that he's not, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. The goal isn't to summarize things. The goal would be, be almost the, the inverse of that. <laughs> it's to go very small. Um, so like, the opportunity to spend an, a super long time in simply in the beginning because there's a whole lot going on in just that. Mm. And, and, and it's so easy to be like, okay, I'm going to do a chapter a day. I'm going to do a chapter a day and we're just going to... And so by the end, I'll f- f- feel awesome. So I've gone through the book of John. Uh-huh. That person has gone th- through the book of John. But they've not experienced the book of John. Wow! And so I think like the the goal is, um, to like go smaller, uh, to circle things, uh, to find things that shimmer, and and like be very curious about them, and inviting them to to speak to you compared to speaking to it. Mm. Um, uh, There's a big difference in that. Our our goal is to have the Bible turn the pages of our hearts compared for us to plow through them for content. (laughs) The Bible is not content as shared Today, our goal is to sit by it and to sit in it. Wow. I don't yeah. know. So it seems very easy, but probably I just say go go very, very small and become like the expert on the tiny passages. So like to even like think about the things that John does that – the other gospel authors that don't do. Um, the apologetic, you know, people are like, well, how come he, he, he didn't say this and we said this? And so is it true? Did it happen? It's, that's not the point. John is trying to say something. Mm-hmm. And so hitting the pause button and saying, okay, man, I, I know, tell me the thing you're trying to say. And the odds are it's going to take you down a path that's very humbling. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. I love, that's really good. like, now that I know this is going a whole year. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go a very long time. No, no, but, like, 
I'm sure this journey will take us on multiple places and in multiple places, but I think what I want to like remember from this particular uh, message that you gave today is that come, being able to come out of this year or sometime in this year where I have that like soul confidence, like I'm his favorite. Like right. I love that mm-hmm. so much. And I want that for everybody, right. you know, to be able to be like, no, I believe that. I believe that, I cherish it, and I proclaim it, you know, and I live in it. It's something that we talk about so much, that we are beloved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you're seeing somebody that actually <laughs> believed it. Yeah, and he, he can it say it. Bible. And <laughs> what a difference does it make in your journey if you actually believe what you're hearing. Yeah. Because we hear it. But do I really believe it? And how would that impact my journey, like what we see? Mm-hmm in the journey of John. That's good. Yeah, coming from that identity is incredible. I think the other thing, I love your pointing out, like what would, I, what would be my takeaway? I think another one for me would be um, his intentionality to speak to, to who he's talking to. It seems redundant, but, you know, it's not a one fits all. And so, like, if a story happened, I'm going to tell Jenny, I'll tell it a certain way different than I would tell my seven-year-old son, different than I would tell my father, you know. And I think this uh, sensitivity to to the culture and being a student of the culture and of the people and, like, there's this amazing thing that I want to give you. How would you best receive it? Yeah. And, and, and like, it's p- p- possible also that it's his culture. Um, so it isn't this foreign, I'm picking up and going and being a part of something I don't understand. So it truly is him. Uh, So I kind of like feel that throughout his text Mm -hmm. is he isn't trying hard Mm -hmm. to be so incredible. (laughs) It's like like that guy. It's like, it's just what he does. It's like what I have is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he's very effective there in the culture that he is Mm -hmm. and that he's called to in the time period he's called to. Yeah. And I think it's just like very inspiring to like be like, how how can I be effective in the culture I'm called to in the time period I'm called to? Yes. And I'm here. Yeah. I'm inspired by Michael's questions because I have a question for the two of you because you guys are both obviously on the teaching team. You're going to be teaching throughout this year on this, but what are you guys like most excited for that could or will or want to happen in this series? Like what, what are you most longing for either for yourselves or for people who are hearing this? Hmm. Yeah, of course. I I mean, like, I, man, I cannot open the Bible and say a passage, and I don't cry. Like, it's just, I can't do it because I, I just adore everything that's happening there, and I don't think it's because of the text on the page but it's the thing that holds the text on the page it's the thing between the page the page and the ink um there's something between the page and the mm-hmm. ink that is just a a fun engaging kingdom experience vocabulary participatory God says I'm breathing in this. And um, I think the Gospel of John is by far in the Bible. It's so easy to see that. Like it's like a pop-up card or pop-up book, you know, page by page. It's like, you know, know, like it's it's like, yeah, this is great, you know. And it's like so obvious. Mm -hmm. It's like. So how 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 
it's so easy. You just turn turn the page. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a second, things are popping up all over the place. What are you <laughs> doing? It. It's a castle. Um, <laughs> I think like that's, that's what's a castle. That one's popping up. up. Oh yes, know? yeah. yeah. I just, just like, I wanted to I wanted you to break that down. What passage is the castle? <laughs> I wanted to live in that KJ. I wanted to live in that. Dragons and princesses and it's all in there. Um, <laughs> but 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 I think I'm I'm dying for people to see it. I'm I'm in, instead of just like okay yeah. I understand it. I don't, no you don't. We and, don't. Know and it goes. To the experience thing, right? Uh-huh. He's coming at it from a, I sat by Jesus. I put my head on his shoulder. So can you. And he's preaching a gospel yeah. from that. Mm-hmm. There are people preaching the gospel who probably shouldn't be because they have never experienced mm. it, right? Mm. There are people mm. pro- proclaiming the text on the page who probably shouldn't be because they've never experienced it. And so I'm like, I am vibrantly excited for people to encounter, encounter Sinai and to encounter the Jesus who sits by them and breaks bread. Yeah. And yeah. say, I think I'm his favorite because how things are going between <laughs> us, there's, he and I have something special going on. That's so good. Yeah, I think even aside from studying for this series, just like other things that I'm reading and studying, I've, I've noticed these past m- the month or two months, I'm always back to John. There's something about John that it doesn't matter what you're going after you go back to John. I feel like he holds All the Rose key. All roads go to John. <laughs> in a way that, like, he he got it. And there's... He was his favorite. There is yeah. some... It's like Moses. You, you keep tying to the previous sermon series, which I agree. Like, Moses had that encounter and that revelation that we carry till today. And John had that intimacy and that relationship and that brought all this revelation that we come, keep coming back to. Yeah. It, I think that's what I'm excited about. That's like why I'm studying random things or re- meditating on random things and it points me back to John. Mm, so Always cool. wondered just, you know, why God entrusted John with the book of Revelation. I wonder what other perspectives oh, would have seen. Things right. not that you couldn't understand, but I think there was something special about John's plumb line being the beloved, loving Jesus and understanding that love in a deep way where the poetic nature of that book could be expressed through his eyes. Yeah, that's a whole other... That's a whole other... I even heard, like, there are some people at home right now going, there were two different Johns, there's different authorships, John the Elder, John the Disciple... There's, you know, there's, there's a lot of speculation as yeah. as far as that but goes. It could so be. okay, so I'm just calling that out for the people at home who all of a sudden started pulling out their hair. <laughs> you know, no, but I it's good. It's, I think it's funny because speculation, the word, has a very negative connotation sometimes. Oh my but gosh. in this, in this place, it's, great. it's encouraged, and it's yeah, yeah. You should ask it's questions. It's exploratory. It's the yeah, and it's fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, cool. It's fun to engage. Engage the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like s- s- singing a song. It's like a corporate activity, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, to discuss the things of the Bible in a corporate environment is kind of like singing a song. Like God enjoys it. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. let's hold on. Are we yes. ready? Yes. <laughs> let's do this. Hey, thanks guys so much. Thank you, Michael, for joining us Yeah, this was fun. This was cool. Have a good week, guys.